Well, every time Sideshow's on the show, you know for sure that uh, he's going to be vibing and dancing to that intro music because it's the I, I best. I can't help it. Yeah, it's it's just the best, isn't it? So good. I'm just going. So good. It just is so good. Welcome to episode 19 of Tactical Crouch. You may think you're at episode 15 because Sideshow is just here. He's back here again. Yiska, no internet in Germany right now. They're just out of internet. It's just gone. Um, something, yeah. All the <laughs> routers. Some more. Yeah, all the routers exploded at once or something. So Yiska's not here with us today. But it's side part show, of Angela Merkel's stepping oh, down no. process. Now that she's left, she's just planning to bring all the infrastructure of Europe down with her, <laughs> starting with the internet in Germany, and it just crumbles out from there. I'm fleeing as fast as I can, man. I'm so glad that Brexit's happened. People are going to be digging our way. Like, they're going to be cr- trying to create a real rift between us, not just the English Channel. Paddle us away from Europe as fast as we can. It's That's going down. Strangely political. 70 percent of our listeners are from the United States and don't know who Angela Merkel oh, is. Oh yeah, I, unless, I, I, unless she's like the rug, they think she's the rugrat the the girl in Rugrats. Yeah, yeah. And Angelica then, uh, yeah, and then uh, Brexit. I don't know. I love breakfast foods too. What, yeah, what, exactly. yeah, what is that like the new breakfast joint that's like open up yeah, Dublin? Like, yeah, Brexit. Have you I, heard of Brexit? I think they have like some make- sick breakfast burritos, dude. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Dick, bro. I, I get it. I get it. Your, your target audience is American. Let me just use this knife and just take out the frontal lobe and I'll be right back. There with you me. go. <laughs> all right. Well, just the quickest lobotomy. We just made sure to, de, you know, just draw the clear lines of uh, national division before we start the show. <laughs> Very uh, early on. Lines have been drawn. Yiska's gone. He says he's sorry that his internet isn't as good as it should be. But uh, literally two, like two, three hours before the show, Sideshow's like, yo, I can do it. Coming in with the clutch. I, yeah. You know, it, it was Sideshow was kind of funny. You were telling us before the show <laughs> uh, why you decided to come on the show. <laughs> the soft and it wasn't pitch, to provide holy. the analysts, <laughs> the analysis that yeah. we were hoping for. <laughs> You know, life's been uh, life's been interesting recently. I've been stuck in the. I say stuck. That's maybe unfair to uh, to the rest of the people who live in the UK by choice. But I've been uh, I've been over here for for Christmas and I was expecting to be back in the US by now. You know, getting on with uh, getting on with stuff. Uh, annoying Jonathan, who's just over there all in his own. Bless his little heart. So I've just been kind of so bored, in fact, that I've started creating YouTube content again. So, you know, you know, life's not going too well. <laughs> and at that point, I'm getting to like the point now where the only times that I feel motivated to, you know, get ready and shower and look presentable are when I have to actually be on camera. So I've been forcing myself to do YouTube comment, uh, YouTube content just so that I have a reason to shower. So today I didn't have a YouTube video to record because I'm delaying the one about Boston that I want to record until the final deadline just so that I can have some idea of what the hell they're doing with their roster. Uh, so today, I needed a reason to shower, so I was just scrolling through Twitter, like, does anyone does anyone want to put this face on camera? Not that it makes much difference, honestly. I could wake up and it might be more presentable than this. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks to Tactical just Crouch. Terrible times, show, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks to Tactical Crouch. Sideshow is showered. So um, leave that in your five-star iTunes review, by the way. It smells Show smells good. Feels good, man. Appreciate Dude, it. Feels good, man. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, right. When's the last time you've seen that emote? We've, we've got a lot to talk about, though. We're 48 hours away. 48 hours away from season two of Overwatch League. Going to be a good one. But uh, I, better go, I better start swimming. 
Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, sideshow. You're not there yet. Um, I know, I know that you haven't been able to say too much about it. You're gonna be involved in Overwatch League this year, though. Uh, I hope so. Yes, ASAP. (laughs) Yep. His knowledge, he is. Yes, ASAP. But uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see the beginning of the Overwatch League as well. I'm hyped. Just gonna be watching it from here. It's really, it's really exciting. Like, you know, season one obviously is filled with a bunch of firsts because it's season one, so you don't see a lot of, you know, situations. But in a lot of ways, season two is still filled with so many firsts because we're Mm. coming from um, so many new signings, number one, but you're also having to add the new uh, variable of, like, a lot of these players and teams have now had the experience from season one going into season two and it's it's really exciting we highlighted i think i think there's six or seven games that we're going to talk about and as we go throughout the season we're probably going to highlight a lot of here's the upcoming games talking about last week's games as well like you know if there's any upsets and you know man i'm just really excited because ah, i like there's seven games like how, how great is it that there's at least seven games there's probably 10 games but seven games and i'm like we have to talk about these there's like Dude, four it's... more that I'm like, we probably should talk about these, but we're not going to have time with Sideshow on. And it's so hard to actually like cover everything now. Like you have seven games a week and like, oh, if you want to actually like keep up with any contenders region, like good luck. There's yeah, 20 teams that play games. Absolutely like... nuts. Has anyone actually figured out how many games there are going to be this season? I, I'm sure this information is publicly available. It's like there's a schedule, but I've no, I, I don't think anyone's really like added them up and seen. I know there's 28 games per team, but I don't think I can quite do the maths on like how that actually. Adds yeah, I'm not even going to attempt thing. it. But there are nuts amounts of games. Like it's crazy. There's going to be so much to try and piece together. And and John, you mentioned firsts, right? And I didn't mean to cut you off, Sideshow, but quick little factoid. Did you know that the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons play both in week three and in week four of stage one? They will play repeat yeah. games. That is very weird as well. I was looking at their schedule. It's super strange. Mm-hmm. But that's just the way that these, uh, I mean, there's only so many ways yes. that you can make all of those games happen. And I, I'm sure they do it with like a pretty highly advanced algorithm that tries to minimize Mm. those kind of uh, occasions. But it does lead to some weird stuff. Like the strength of schedule is actually, I don't think when people talked about strength of schedule last year, I don't think it really factored in that much. Like sometimes you had two really strong uh, teams on the same week. And so you had to split your prep time a little bit, but eh, everyone was playing around Robin. This year it really does matter. Like you only play the teams outside your division once. And if you get that on a good stage for you, depending on the patch or a bad stage, that could be the difference between making playoffs or not. Strengths of schedule has got to be something that we're like really paying attention to this year when we're thinking about how good people really are. I'm watching, I'm watching Twitch chat do math right now. And it's, it's it's, actually horrific. I'm looking at these maths and they are worse than Volumella maths. Honestly, just because there are 28 games and there's 20 teams, does not mean that they're going to play like 28 times 20 because the, the the games are against each other. So it doesn't work like that. I think you divide it by, by, by two or yeah. At the end. Right. Mm, I wrote an essay to pass algebra too. So, uh, or think of it this way, 16 games per week times five times four. Yo, I don't know. I don't <laughs> It's not important. It is important. It's not important. 
200, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody. Divide by two by the end. By the way, uh, Pindragon uh, just sent us some bits to say to help find more wonderful pictures of Sideshow because we've, we've got somebody undercover, Sideshow, who's going deep into your past, going deep into uh, everything that you were in middle school and high school, and they're finding pictures. So <laughs> I mean, the unfortunate thing about it is the the weird thing when you when you make friends in esports is that for some reason some people in esports still use Facebook and they'll go mm-hmm. and and you'll occasionally just get like the occasional time that I use Facebook to get in touch with friends from university and I I don't you know live anywhere near them so that's only happening like a couple of times every year um I'll see that I have like friend requests I'm like oh who's that and it's like, oh, it's it's Susie. And I'm like, oh, what's going on there? And so I've got like all of these friend requests from different people that I'm never intended to interact with over Facebook anyway. But the unfortunate thing about that is it opens the vaults from like 2009, 2010, where they can find all of these horrific images of me that probably need to be purged for the good of society, but I've never gotten around to it. Ten years ago, I had shoulder length hair. Could you guys believe that? Traveling, that's really traveling in a band wow that's crazy skinny the skinny skinny jeans like the levi there's like skinny and then there's like super skinny levi super skinny jeans you were a bard i was yeah i mean i was just right in like right into the thick of like my like punk rock phase meets like folk phase it was man so it was like you and doa on like the metal circuit yeah it was I, it was yeah it was something else uh, I, so I, my, my college had a band that went around to camps throughout the summer and stuff and it paid really well, but it wasn't very good called the current, the current, nice. it was also very a closet. local radio show. I'm like, the least you can do is, you know, cross check the names that you give us with the local radio, uh, stations so that we don't have the same name, but <laughs> they didn't, it's out there. It's good. That's also, awesome. I also acted in the movie that is still on Netflix. Really? One, yeah, still on Netflix. Hidden talents we're discovering. This guy just pulling That's out what the. I'm saying, man. I'm just saying, if, if somebody pages. can find it, it'll be it'll be really interesting. But uh, so far, I haven't had anyone from the Overwatch community be able to be like, "Yo, I watched this movie, and you were in it," because it's that bad. Should even, we have even like Netflix a, a doesn't hunt? like you know how Netflix recommends movies. The movie that I was in is is actually a movie that Netflix like doesn't recommend. Like tries to like, no, it's like no, it's no, like no. one star. Like you, you don't no. really want to watch this. Yeah, like there's there's other things to watch, right? You know the, the <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen of, Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. there's other things more like this than this. Let's just yeah. say that. Let's just say that. So. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement for your own product. Uh, I mean, I was just, I was just along for the ride. You know, in college, you'll try anything once. For me, it was acting in a movie that had budget behind it. It wasn't that good. Pretty good. It wasn't that good. Um, it's an experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was definitely experience. That's for sure. Uh, Benchmob, your band. Um, all right, let's talk about Overwatch stuff. We've got Overwatch. League coming in like 48 hours. Uh, 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, that's right. Get get out of here. Let's talk. We need that's to talk. actually really good. We, it's not bad. You know, at the same time, when only like 12 people have heard of it, and like nine of those people wrote, acted, directed, or wrote the music for mm-hmm. it, 
Like, let's be real. Yeah, if, if it was all of the people who worked on it that ended up rating it, then someone's not rating it very highly, you know? Yeah, somebody like, who was, like, involved it. with it, like, that was actually the one, the one star was me. <laughs> was yeah. Like, uh, that was not very good. Lead actor sucked. And you need more money. You need more money to do a show like this. Let's talk about Overwatch. I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Shut, shut up! Let's talk about Overwatch. And what's the first... First things first, let's talk about the community countdown. Community countdown happened this weekend. Uh was kind of designed to take place of the Overwatch League preseason sideshow. I don't think it did that. Um No. It it didn't. In fact, I haven't watched any of it because I was actually away when it happened, but I saw the whole like chaos that exploded on Twitter after the fact. And the weirdly, I don't understand the opinion that people have resulted like out of this with. In my opinion, you can fall like broadly speaking in two directions. You can either be like, okay, the teams would uh, uh, would rather not like scrim and show strategies and stuff like that. So obviously they're gonna mess around and not take it too seriously. Or you can be like, it's a thing for the fans. It's a show match. At the very least, they should be professional enough to play their own roles and give some kind of like entertainment value, not just a complete waste of time for the fans. I can see, reasonably speaking, both sides of that. I'll tell you where I fall down in in a bit. But the prevailing opinion seems to have then shifted to being like, Overwatch League told us these were going to be scrims. Why weren't they scrims? It's like they can't control anything. What are they going to do? Pin all the teams down and be like, you must play seriously. Everybody must 100% be trying as hard as they possibly can. Like, wh- Why has that been the lashback? I don't understand that. I, I don't get what people think scrims are, because if you guys don't remember, there was a lot of rumors in season one and even in like 2016 Overwatch where people would just get up mid scrim and just go get a bag of Cheetos or like just like incoherently feed on purpose because they were tilted. Like Smash if you want mouse. scrims, yeah, just smack the mouse debris everywhere, you know, yelling and screaming. Like if you want, I don't think you really want scrims. I mean, I, there's no way in which scrims, like in the most serious sense, sure. would have been possible. And I think that maybe that was like, um, uh, maybe that gave the fans a bad impression. But sure. uh, like the slightest bit of understanding should have been reasonable to assume that you wouldn't see like real competitive matches right before the season. But I also personally fall down on the side of what I saw from a number of the other commentators, notably not like Monty, but I think I saw Johnny and Bren, and sure. I think. Nate tweeted something similar about this as well, where it was like, in my opinion, you are, um, your job is not just to be as competitive as possible when you're a professional gamer. Like you also have times at which you are required to be in some form like an entertainer. Like for example, Mm -hmm. when you go and do media obligations, like it would be really unprofessional of you to just sit there and go like, every time they asked you a question or something, you know, or just like role play as if you were a character from a, a film noir novel yeah. or something like uh, at some point you have obligations that are outside of just trying your best and and being the best possible uh team and getting wins I, there there is a world outside of that and part of that world in my opinion and i don't say any of the rules is being uh professional when it's asked of you to like entertain the fans like if if there is a some kind of thing like this where it's been advertised as scrims or advertised as some preseason or something like that i think it reflects badly on the teams to just uh treat it as a joke 
they should be trying to give some kind of entertainment for their fans. Like, whether that means running strategies you never intend to run in a match, but they're just cool. Like, trying something weird with a Bastion or, you know, some weird strategy. Fair enough, you're not you're not uh, showing anything, but you're still providing some entertainment value. There's still ways of doing that without showing your hand. And even if you played your real roles, you ain't showing anything. I don't know where this has come from as well. Everyone knows what role everyone's going to be playing. Like, maybe you don't play the exact meta, or you don't play to, like, your top teamwork, or you don't make the picks that you would, or play the correct comps on the particular map. But you can still play your own roles without giving anything away. Like, nobody is confused and being like, hmm, what is this? Kareeva's on DPS? Like, everyone knows that he's going to be playing DPS. You're not hiding anything. Like, everyone knows where these players have come from or what they do if they've done any research into them. So I don't buy that for a second that it's, like, necessary for these teams to have to play off roles just to hide strategy. Like, it could have been very feasible for these teams to play their normal roles and have, like, you know, a reasonably friendly scrim or try some weird stuff, stuff like that. I don't think it would have benefited them outside of the PR, but I think that that is part of your job is to be like that ambassador for the game and be entertainers as well as just being competitors. I I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. I do think, you know, in in any competitive facet, whether it be boxing, MMA, like you have to sell your fight. If you're going, you know, me and Sideshow are going to go duke it out in Madison Square Garden. And (laughs) we're just, you know, sat there like we will put on a good show. Like, please cheer for us. Like nobody's going to want to nobody's going to want to watch us. Nobody's going to buy want to buy tickets. Right. So you you do kind of amp up. Sure. And we trash talk a little bit and we throw out stupid references and we get up and throw dollies at a bus like that drives attention that drives excitement right you you want to tune into that and i think that's a big thing that they're missing as well yeah it's like like that branding aspect has always been something that esports players have been missing and it's something that organizations should in my opinion try to push onto their players like look at this as an opportunity when they're talking to like journalists for media day and stuff Mm -hmm. like look at this as an opportunity like try and get your story out there this is sometimes it's sometimes as important to control the narrative as it is to try and turn the narrative via your own play like there there's a lot you can do outside the game as an esports player and only a tiny fraction of that is really getting utilized at the moment and some of it only by like uh really intelligent people who've yeah. got that outside the wheelhouse i mean guys like jake right like mm-hmm. if, if jake if all you knew about jake was what you saw in the game you wouldn't know the name jake really like you wouldn't care but because he has so much outside of the game it, with the branding and the marketing and stuff like that he's you know a name that everybody knows at this point it's like a staple within competitive overwatch so these are the kind of opportunities i think that the players and the teams are missing out on you 100 percent need to be a showman and it reminds me of like a, a just a quick side tangent uh, a league of legends player by the name of double lift right you probably have heard the name at least once in your life you know if you followed esports um his kind of like slogan or his like trademark is like oh i'm the best and like everybody's trash and now he has merch that has like a trash can yeah. and you can buy like a little paperweight that's a trash can like it's so important and he's also pretty good so like it it, it kind of increases his legend and like there's so much that goes into just being a showman and you know of course you're going to catch flack for it of course that that's going to be a thing but you'll catch flack for everything and that's where i kind of almost pivot back into the argument and i'm like well if you want to try and run fun things don't you kind of run into the same dilemma where it's like people aren't people will still criticize you because you're not taking it as seriously as like what the title had semantically proposed right if this were supposed to be scrims why are we playing symmetra bastion on you know hollywood a like I don't know where there's a win-win for these teams unless they actually go out there and try to scrim. Bastion yeah, on Hollywood A is not that bad. I, I think mean, so. Yeah. 
like the the point of the the point of anything like this is to build up hype for the league and yes. hype for the league doesn't isn't just like for the league it's for the teams mm-hmm. it's for the players like those are the people that benefit from people watching so anything you can do as as players to work with the league to build up that hype instead of almost deliberately going against yes, yes. what the what the inten- intention of it was like i i don't understand it seems like they shot themselves in the foot there even though they don't there's no lashback like there's no pr lashback on these uh on these teams it seems like most people are coming down the other way like i said where they're like they shouldn't be expected to show strats like it was silly to advertise them as scrims stuff like that that's mm-hmm. what i've been seeing all over reddit but the the lashback is going to be less like obvious and more just there wasn't a ton of hype generated which the players could have created themselves like they were given a platform to do something and they didn't do anything they turned viewers away if anything so a missed opportunity which isn't bad pr wise immediately but you know you've missed an opportunity you haven't shot yourself in the foot like it's become negative but you've you've missed out on a uh potentially hyping up the season hyping up your matches making people want to see you even more there could have been some cool storylines that came out of it and at the moment doesn't seem like it yeah i i definitely think more could have been done um yeah, I don't know. I, I I find it hard to to fault the teams to too much of a degree. I completely agree with you. There needs to be a showman aspect throughout all of Overwatch League that I think we are kind of missing. Um, and when that does come out, a lot of people completely want to stamp it out and like throw a coat on it and douse it. Like, no, we want like that needs to happen so that people are excited that rivalries are created. You know that there is a little bit of bad blood. Who doesn't want to see, um, you know, the LA Gladiators versus the LA Valiant home in LA with a little bit of bad blood, you know, some, some words were said on Twitter, like that drives excitement that drives fans to want to come out and be more, be more excitable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still, I still find it hard to, to, to fault the players. I think there could have been like a, a segment, you know, on stream where you get to the players and maybe they trash talk a little bit and like, you can still get it that way. But I, I think it all was just a little bit rushed and um, wasn't thought through all the way. I mean, I, and again, I don't actually blame the players because I highly doubt that the players are like, I'm not going to actually play competitively, even though my coach has told me to. And this is what the league said to do. I don't think that that's actually well, what happened. I don't, I, I don't think it was. I, I Well, I'm not there, right? So I don't have any idea. But it seems from the outside, like the communication um, was all over the place. Like, exactly. I don't think I don't think team organizations were. Uh, telling their players to play seriously at all. Like, I, I don't think the players were revolting. I think there was just a general attitude from all of the teams. Like, why would we play serious? There's no expectation think, yeah, to play serious here. Like, yeah, agreement of like from the league. Hey, we're going to be doing this. You're going to be playing each other in, you know, whatever a celebration of uh, the community and Overwatch League in what's called the community countdown. Here's the formats that you're going to play. And the coaches, I, I personally think the coaches go, okay, well, we're not going to like. Yeah, expose any, any strats here. So what do we want to do? And then I, I feel like coaches probably pivoted to, well, let's just make it, try to make it entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think it probably I, I, went a little bit yeah. overboard in the sense of like I think meme-y. The issue is just, the issue is viewing it as an obligation versus an opportunity. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Like all of the things that the league tells these teams to do can be viewed in one of two ways as an obligation like i must talk to the media i must engage in these hype videos i must engage in the social media aspects and that then can be seen as like a drag 
or it can be like an opportunity to make your brand like so much better to really drive hype for the games to really put your name out there and like that's why so many people who are involved in content creation around the scenes and stuff like that always view it as an opportunity like i'm going out there all the time like the, trying to engage with people doing interviews with them uh getting my name out there trying to put the storylines i think are really cool forward <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like i'm not doing it out of the goodness of my heart like as much as you might think that i really love you john i you do though I'm also, you do. we've got I'm, a special i'm space, also doing yeah. it because it's it's good for you it's good for your personal brand and i think that that's a big difference is like Esports, I think traditional sports understands this in a lot of yes, ways. Yes. Um, but I also think that journalism and obligations are much more pushy for traditional sports. Like esports players have it really easy. Um, so if you can shift that mindset from being obligation to opportunity, I think you can really like unlock a lot of uh, cool hype moments for these teams. And it won't feel like such a grind. It'll feel like there's just cool stuff happening over and over, like platforms are just being offered. I, let's, I, I do want to move on because, yes. I think that yeah. this was a giant missed opportunity, I think, by Overwatch League, I think for the community, I think by the teams, I think by the individual players. We could probably go around all day about uh, what, what could have been done differently, who's pro you know, whose fault was it for communication in the end. Uh, community countdown wasn't great. I highly doubt that we'll ever see anything like this organized again, at least with how it was organized this year. And uh, you know what? Overwatch League for me, they get a pass, but that's your one Overwatch League. One Mulligan. Nate. No, I'm just kidding. It's not it's not Nate. It's not Can't say that's that. Why, that's why he blocks us. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't block us. Uh he follows us, actually. Oh crap. Uh editing that's... it out right now. Um, editing it <laughs> that out. Was, that was one of the scariest moments for me, actually, was when I used to run a podcast called, uh, it was before Through the Grapevine, mm -hmm. it was called um, The 12 O'Clock News yep. with uh, me, Harsha, and uh, someone called Sammy Face. And uh, after doing that. like uh, 10 episodes or something like this, I got followed on Twitter by Nate Nanza, and I was like, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> if he follows it, at that point, he's probably listened to it. Yes, and I think also he just likes to have some kind of idea of what's going on around the scene. It's more of like a scouting thing. I don't think he's really like <laughs> getting ready to yeah. call the squad in. It's true. He's like, all right, guys, that's enough. You've had enough. He's fun. on the list now. You're done. Yeah. You, I've never heard of yeah, him doing that. Yeah, exactly. You're done at this point. Okay, let's let's talk about uh, a few things. So, so we do need to talk about, let's talk about Overwatch League Season 2. Let's remind the folks at home. Some stuff has changed from last season, but ultimately, I would say uh, pretty overall kind of the same from last season. You've got four or five-week stages, each stage rotating map pool, no problem. Uh, each team plays seven matches per stage over five weeks. So this is different, whereas, what was it, last year, it was two, each team played... I think he played two, 10 games. Yeah, you played 10 games, so two per week. Right. Yeah, was the one was the one? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, because that meant there was one team that you didn't play against every yeah, stage. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, there was one team that you didn't play against, and therefore strength of schedule was the biggest conversation for some reason. Uh, well, look at it now. Uh, four map sets with a tiebreaker if you go two and two. Top eight go to stage playoffs based on the number of wins first, map differential second, best of five. Uh, with uh, Grand Finals best of seven for both uh, stage and season playoffs. Season playoffs is kind of interesting, though, something that's new this year. 
top team in each division plus the next four teams, regardless of division, qualify for playoffs. So that gives you your top six. And then teams seven through 12 get to jockey it out a little bit. And top two teams from that, whatever that playoff tournament, mini tournament looks like, qualify for playoffs as well. So eight. And uh, double elimination in this uh, season playoffs. 3.5 million split among the playoff teams with first place winning $1.1 million per player. I'm just kidding. Not per player, per team. Uh, That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a a little bit of cheddar there. So that's kind of the rundown. Sideshow for you, anything that like really sticks out as a difference, like format wise that you think is really important to highlight? Yeah, I think two things. One, the uh, the play-in for the playoffs. I think that's the biggest change for the entire season, honestly. Well, apart from the fact that there's like uh, less games throughout the stage, and you only play against people, you know, once within once outside your division. That's pretty massive. But the playoffs is a massive thing, I think. So for the teams that are seventh to twelfth, they'll get an opportunity to play for those final two spots in the playoffs, the seventh and eighth seeds. And that means that if you're a team that's uh, peaking towards the end, like the Dallas Fuel were in stage four, you're going to make playoffs, which is a massive change, really, because it puts so much more weight on whatever that final patch is, whatever is going on in stage four. Um, it means there's a, it really means that the beginning stages are important, yes, but less important than peaking late on in the season. Because not only do you want to perform well in playoffs, but you've even got an opportunity to get in there if you've finished in 12th, which is like less than average throughout the rest of the season. So that's a, a, a huge big deal that means that even when we would have been writing teams off, um, you know, halfway through the season, it means that th- there's still a huge swath of teams that are still going to be in the race. Yeah. Lots, lots of players. Even the lower half players, Houston Outlaws, mm-hmm. you can make it. Just get yeah, I, I suppose so settle down, Houston. It's a joke. <laughs> okay. I love you guys. The roasting of a lifetime. Yeah, it's true. You should start a podcast and then you can roast me all you want. The other big thing, actually, as well, is the double elimination format, I think, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I've always loved watching double yes. elimination tournaments. Like the runbacks through the lower bracket and the way that you can have things, uh, have storylines set up in that sense. You get little rematches. You get lots of different matches as well. So you get much more like um, mixture between the playoff teams. So you can see how they all match up rather than just uh, happening to get a lucky draw through a bracket. So I think double eliminations a really cool way. I think it's the best way of doing it. Um, the, the only thing that double elimination runs into is what do you do in the finals? Because you yes. have one team that's you- made it through the upper bracket and one team that's lost once. But yep. uh, I am actually not sure what they're doing. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you give it. the winner the winner's bracket finalist and advantage is it a one game up i think they're i if i had to guess they're probably doing bracket resets i don't um, think they will do that i think no? they'll just do a grand final that's longer than the others i think the i think they'll do it um so the problem with bracket resets is that sure. you don't know how long a game's going to be so it falls into the same trap yeah. that we had in 2018 for the grand finals where you come in on that final day and it's full <laughs> and you either could have an insane day like yes. everyone's paid the tickets place is maxed out eleven thousand people waiting to see what happens it could last like seven hours be an absolute slugfest philadelphia could come back but unfortunately they just lose and and that's it the day's over at like 3 p.m so unfortunately bracket resets really fall into that trap i think mm-hmm. and uh any other thing like a one map advantage still to me feels really sour in yeah. the moment um 
So I just prefer to have one big event. And as long as you make that one game big enough, I feel like you get the variance yeah. good enough so that the, the team that should win wins. Bring in DJ I, Khaled. You know? uh, no, please. Just bring him in, put him on stage, give him some Air Jordans, and have him yell into a microphone. In between. Another one. <laughs> Another one. I, I, like, I, I definitely agree that you should have like a long final to kind of like cap on who is the best at this moment but how do you give the 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 team that has you know gone undefeated any kind of like merit and saying like hey you know since you've done this you get like map picks you get like a veto of some sort like how do you really give that team an advantage for being not the loser because if that's the case then I can just make a loser's bracket running if it's a little bit easier. You how, know? Do you, it's like, how do you feel about I, teams having to win twice? Well, like there's so we did that. This happened in Hearthstone. So if you came in from the loser bracket uh-huh. and played the the winner from the winner bracket, you would have to beat them in like two. Yeah, that's a bracket reset. That's yeah. what we were saying. Yeah. So, but I, my problem with that is it means that you can either play one or two games on that yeah. day. So you, you really don't know what's going into it in scheduling. But my thing about double elimination is I think there's very reasonable ways of giving that team an advantage based sure, on sure. map selection and scheduling. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that people run into the trap. So, for example, with the scheduling stuff, it'd be like, um, you've had to play a lot more games if you've gone through the loser's bracket. You're going to yes. be more tired. You, the team that stood in the winner's final has had chance to see like all of those games and review the footage and be chilled out, ready for the final meetup again. Um, so you've got an advantage in that sense. And you can also do it in terms of map pick. But the, the big fallacy, I think, that I see people run into with this uh, quite a lot is the idea that a team um, can just make a run through the loser's bracket. Like, the risk yeah. of dropping out when you go into losers is so phenomenal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's always an advantage to try and make it through winners. Like, there is no situation in which you would want to lose the winner's final to make to go into the losers final to get it back into the grand final like the chance of just losing that losers final and dropping out is such a big risk that that's the big incentive to make yes. it to the grand final you just the safety net yeah the safety net of of not having to go through the losers bracket final so i think that's the that's the thing that people tend to skip when they talk yes. about this yes. is that you've already had your advantage like you were good enough to just make it here without being threatened that you were going to go out at any time well, so, so yeah, so that's kind of the thing is like at the end of the day, there's Overwatch differs in a lot of games in the sense that going through the winner's bracket is such an advantage as is. Um, even, yeah, I, sure, yeah, it's like, I'm, but, I but it, I mean, it just is. You, you see less opponents, you get so much more footage to be able to watch. You, Okay, uh, I'll play I'll play devil's advocate just for a second. And this just could be oh it could be God. completely yeah. mm-hmm. the outlier here, yeah. but could you not say this is very analogous to last season's playoffs where we had both what was it, New York and the was it New York and Valiant had the buys and they didn't adapt to the meta quick enough? In that same yes, sense, yeah, they, they they could have, you know, scouted early and they got a chance to see their opponent play in the quarterfinals and they still kind of lost now again that could just be completely how much of that has to do with the fact that um you what's the right way to put this how much that has to do with the fact that just like overall your team couldn't adapt to it versus being able to scout other teams like i can i can watch goats all day long it doesn't mean i'm going to be able to beat it 100 percent 
could just be bad style for you could be a bad meta maybe you know there was a a, la- a lack of like serious practice you know there's a lot of things that go into it but i just find it interesting that both teams failed and you know could this happen again yeah i think i don't the, know the argument that people normally go to there like the thing that i think you're alluding to as well is like sure. the idea of being hot or like getting warm or whatever exactly. you know where you've, yeah. you've had a chance to play against other teams and you've tested out certain things and you know what actually works in a match setting um, but when you're going on these big runs through the losers bracket, like I think that has more a concept when you're like getting a buy into the semifinals because you're coming in there cold, but you've mm. already done like the whole tournament to get to the to the winners final. Yes, like, I don't yes. think a team should cool off between the winners final and the grand final unless you're playing something like fighting games where it's all on you and you need that time to be able to get like fluid with your movement. Mm-hmm. Overwatch is not such a fast paced game. You know, people normally think of it as fast paced, but it's not compared to fighting games. It's not that fast paced to the point where you need to be like really warm in order to come in. If anything, being having played like a really long match just beforehand, I think is a disadvantage. So I I personally don't see that much. There's there's just as much Overwatch that's fatiguing going from match to match as there is from being warm and hot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's that's what's going on with the format for season two. As you can tell, we're already discussing end-of-season playoffs. So there goes that episode. Uh, we're just going to be off that week, I guess. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about this week, though. We've got a lot of great matches this week. They're starting off hot. And we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about every match. We just don't have time. Some of them just aren't that important or interesting. We're going we're gonna to leap over some and spend more in-depth time with others so overwatch league is going to start on thursday and we're going to open up the season with the philadelphia fusion and the london spitfire the grand fancy graphic yes yes it works we pay them the big bucks well it's true not really it's true yeah the the literally these subs and the follows that's that's how that's how we get paid on this show anyways fusion versus spitfire here the grand rematch we're starting it off hot in this one man this is going to be exciting josh i want so i want obviously i want to know who do you have picked to win number one the the first match do you think that the fusion do you want to know where my do you want to know where my brain goes or where my my it's not really my heart, like my gut. Yeah. It's like my brain and my gut are very in opposite situations. Really? Yeah, honestly, seriously. Ooh. Because the problem is I've been listening to teams. That's always a, <laughs> always a problem. It really is. It's always a problem. Because when you start listening to teams and you listen about like, oh, who's hot right now? Who's doing mm-hmm. well in scrims? Like, oh, this team's done like really well. Oh, this team isn't doing so well. But they never explain themselves properly because yes. they don't know how to talk. They just know how to click buttons and play video games. Mm-hmm. So you end up getting properly mixed up. So I've gone with my brain on the Winston's Lab prediction site, and I've put in like a 55% for London because I think that we don't really know too much about these teams. Like I would consider London the favorite. I think you, you should reasonably consider them the favorite. Um, but I still think there's like a fairly good chance of an upset. At the same time, my gut is saying Philadelphia Fusion might be able to take this because everything that I've heard from uh, like the interviews and oversight and people talking is that Philly are actually really good with tanks recently and Carpe on Zarya and EQ on Brigitte. And then if you have to switch to like DPS stuff, you've got two of the best DPS players in the entire league. Like I, 
my gut is saying maybe Philly's just going to come out and really... Oh, and then people are also saying that London haven't really got up to speed with this meta quite yet. They're not looking like one of the best teams. So all the the behind-the-scenes stuff seems to indicate that my brain is wrong and like all of our reasonable expectations based on prior evidence, you know, too much shifting has just happened and, and we should like not be too surprised if Philly win. But I'm still going with that like 55% for London because, uh, you know, I've learned not to trust behind the scenes reports too much. I, I think, um, I I am going to try to do the, uh, the Winston's lab kind of prediction game. And I encourage everybody that feels like they have a very, very incredibly wrinkly brain to do so as well, because there's a bot out there that everybody just loses to. So if you, if you want to test your, your brain against the bot, definitely go to Winston's lab and try that out. But, um, I've kind of got this like 60, 40 for Philly. I think that London historically have been pretty slow to adapt to metas. And I think that week one, week two, they're going to actually be pretty slow to adapt. Um, the one thing I will say that they do have over of their other teams is that Bedosian actually feasibly can flex, which is a kind of a boon for them. I don't know how often we'll be seeing flex supports, uh, move to DPS, but Again, from stirrings behind the scenes, I think that is going to be um, I think right. pretty decent as well. Honestly. Exactly. Yes. Like in theory, London have like such a good roster. They should that's, be. That's, yeah, so that's, good. that's that's the, that's the thing with them. Like they they should be so good. I just think they need the time to get up to speed with you know how things are played, yeah. the way you play things. Um, so yeah, I've got this like sixty forty. We yeah. we already know that it takes them four stages to warm up. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, you, you yeah. win one, and then just and then. So I I have London fifty seven forty three. So uh, I I don't go in in increments of five because I am I've got just, more I've got more like to wrinkles watch the world in burn. my brain. Oh, you got that you got that sick sick algorithm. Huh? Yeah, you're yeah. squeaking out the tiny little APO. <laughs> yeah, it's all in min maxing at the end. I'm gonna beat this Eden bot. This there you year. go. And uh, I. Here's the thing, right? So I think Fusion has a few things going for them. I think that they perform really well in high-stakes matches, even when they don't really have business in uh, in doing so. Sure, and so sure. like, I think that that definitely plays into their favor. But I'm, I'm really, I, man, I believe in Coach 815. Uh, I believe Guard and Krillin are going to give them some of that extra depth that they need. I think that, that with that, that they can adapt better to the meta than I think we're being led on to. And uh, mm. Fury and Jester still just set the gold standard for. for the fans. other thing that the other thing that always gets me is like when people say London are having difficulty adapting to the meta, which was what Ark said on Oversight to sure. give anybody the the source behind this comment. He's probably saying that in the context of London being like supposed world beaters. So yes. if London, if he's got, if he thinks London are, are like should be up there, but they're actually down there, he might be like, ah, London aren't as good as you as you think. Whereas if he, if everyone expects Philly to be here, but he's like, no, Philly are really good with tanks. They're like here. <laughs> the teams could still be even. It's just that he's expecting, he's like trying to correct other people's assessments of the team. And so dragging it up or bringing it down. Like I've noticed this so much with the way that people yeah. speak about teams. It's like, if you ask them, oh, how good is this team? I've heard they're sick. They'll be like, eh, they're all right. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, how good is this team? Like, I don't think they'll be very good. They're like, no, dude, they're actually pretty good. Like, which team there exactly. is better? Like, you would expect the team that they use more positive uh, 
comments about, right? The team that they said, no, no, they're actually pretty good. But because you started they're already the assumption that they the, were so yeah. different. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's such a, a risky thing to try and base your uh, predictions off these these like inside comments. It's all over the place. But I think the crucial thing to take away is uh, so much of this is still up in the air. It's just mm -hmm. unpredictable. It's going to be yes. very interesting. And this, yes. is, and, and this is one, again, we're talking about, you know, we have three three people on the show today who are like, yeah, we think London's going to win, but, you know, within 5 to 10%, right? Is really no, what Volleyball we're thought about. Philly was going to win. Yeah, I think Philly's going to win. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, you yeah. were saying Philly's going to win because. Because yeah. I'm uh, chaotic neutral in D&D. &D. All right. Well, uh, Joe hasn't paid attention during the offseason, but the rest of us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I will say people do sleep on on guard. I think um, he, along with like Fitz, are I'm excited Fitz about and guard, maybe man. Swan, just completely forgotten about that they're actually on these teams. Like people yeah, are just like, true. guard, when did they sign guard? When did they sign Fitz? Arhan's still on this team. Arhan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, but it is, it's kind of, it is one of those things, right, to go back and look. And, and so, you know, yes. London, London Spitfire season one, you look at that roster and you go, cool. Yeah, that those are starting uh, players on any, on any roster yeah, yeah, in Overwatch yeah. League. And so when they sign new players, it's really easy to go, oh, here's the six from last year. And then here's the people that they bought to like fill their place. It might not be that way this year. Mm -hmm. It might not. I don't know. Especially with goats, especially with. I mean, who knows what's what's kind of going on here, but um, yeah. I want to see what they look like on Route sixty six point A. I think they could pull out some memes, and that'll be fun. Route sixty six point A is a meme. Uh, that is a meme. Shortly after on Thursday, we've got NYXL versus Uprising. We're not going to talk about that too in depth, but Color Hex reminder is out for two games for boosting. And and Gomsu. What is going on with Boston? I'm about to do a video on that. I'm just. We didn't what talk about doing? Boston. So Gamsu's gone from Boston. Reportedly. Here's here is my here's my note for later on uh for for a Boston thing. I go, uh the uprising seem to be out to prove the fact that they can't make a bunch of that they can make a bunch of decisions that don't make sense and still win. No, it's a business here. Huck, Huck is the 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 flyest businessman you've ever seen. He's just wheeling and dealing. Girl stealing. I don't remember the rest of the quote. <laughs> Whatever. Like he's not into win anything. He's just here to collect fat sacks. And I, I mean, I, you know, there's. So, I, uh, I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yes, to a, to a degree, yes, you kind of have to. But then you look at the competition. You're like, Boston man. I don't know. If, if I just don't making... understand what is even slightly oh, happening with this team, right? Because <laughs> my 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 approach, if I was. A man who owns a brain and was running this team, I would say, okay, stick with your core four, stick with uh, stick with Gamsu, uh, stick with uh, Aim God Kalex. Um, who's the other guy? Who are they? Oh no, it's of exactly. Course. And then, welcome to the Boston yeah. <laughs> Uprising. Who's the other guy? Yeah, and then um, and then you want to try and find like who's the best out of Blaze and Kalex and add another like sick hit scan player mm -hmm. who can handle like Zarya and stuff like that alongside it. Instead. Just madness is occurring. No intent 
presumably, to sign another player. There doesn't seem to be any whispers about this, no rumors about them signing a new player, even though Kulahex is out. So what are they going to do? I think the only solution is that they're going to run Alamo on Brigitte or something and just have like... Yeah, they're just strict traditional goats. And then they can't not going to be any flex. Yes. And that means, like, even if you're facing that quad DPS kind of, like, lineup... Okay, drop my mic. Sorry, you can't, uh, listeners. I'm not editing that you, out. You can't um you can't counter it by going like Brig McCree or anything because you just don't have Oh, I suppose you you still could actually because you have the three supports there. But it limits you so much, man. Yes. Like yes. It's it's brutal and I don't understand what their solution is supposed to be to this. I feel like it, they, it's so confusing. They could be kind of like the San Francisco of season 2 where like weirdly enough they're going to have to like sack season 1 and season 2. I think they're if I had to guess, they'll probably bring fusions to the main lineup and really start to try and develop him into being like a a, a decent caller, which we've seen him to be on, on British Hurricane. Um, but yeah, I do think they need some help in the DPS uh, department, and uh, we might see that mid stage one or maybe even late stage one. I don't think, going fusions, into yeah, I don't think fusions is here yet. Um, he might not be. I, I, don't I know. think they'll just run with Axiom early on because the guy's Probably, actually pretty yeah. decent. But yeah. but it's the DPS stuff that confuses me because literally Color Hex yeah. is not available for the first two, maybe so three have, games. Yeah, two, sure. two, two games. Two games. First two games. He's a booster. So what? You're just gonna just throw him away? I mean, the yep. first game's against MYXL. Fair enough. You can throw that away. <laughs> it's already a throwaway. Yeah, it's. You, it that, doesn't matter who you, who you field there. I've literally got that at a ninety-five to five. Because Whoa. I will find the big plays. Oh, Whoa. and I think that's reasonable, right? Would I expect the Boston Uprising in their current state, where yes. they've like just brought in Axiom and don't have Color Hex, to win more than one out of twenty games against NYXL? No, I would not. Therefore, five percent chance. <laughs> yeah, 80, I've got eighty-five fifteen. So I, I mean, I just I never go above ninety. Never go above ninety. Um. But yeah, so anyways, NYXL versus Uprising is going up next. Let's talk, though, about Dynasty Gladiators. I'm so excited about this match. This, this, one, be... this one's a toughie, I do so, have to say. Uh, Rippa is out five games for throwing a toxicity. So he'd be a great... <laughs> He's out five games? Five games. He'd be a great addition oh, so to this good. show with that, I with that line. Kind of, I feel like that should be his Twitter uh, bio. Out five uh, games for throwing in toxicity. Uh, let's. He let's, got slammed more than the boosters. For real, What did you have to? What did you say thing, to man. have you to can, get you that? You can try to make a dime, man, but once you're a jerk, you're out. Yes. So good. It's so, so <laughs> Joe. I'm gonna make you go first on this one here. Dynasty versus Gladiators. I believe we all had them both. Dynasty and Gladiators ranked pretty high. I don't have your power rankings right by me, but I believe we had them all in the like top four to eight range. Am I wrong for you for gladiators or a dynasty? Um, I think I had gladiators um, throughout the season performing on average better than Soul, just because I don't think that Soul have. Right. I think we all had Soul higher. I'm just uh No, I'm. I think I have gladiators, gladiators like top side. four. Yeah, yeah. I think we I think I have like gladiators side. like top five. I think, but. Yeah, this match is going to be rough because it is early on in the season. Um, both teams have some gelling to do. You know, we've just added Roar and Decay to the lineup. I still have um, questions about how to how 
appropriately it is to weight the flexibility of your flex tank. Um, and we've seen Void be very successful in the Zarya, but how important is it to have your flex tank able to move to DPS, um, something like a Farah, something like a Sombra, um, something that you're not going to have to sacrifice your Zarya's um, personal charge as well as her alt charge in swapping and moving like mass amounts of your roster around and swapping heroes on certain maps, I think is going to be a big uh, quandary for teams. Um, and then you've got soul i it depends on who they run uh who are they fielding is fitz playing is fisher playing i don't know um i think again sideshow has a pretty good take on this I, I i do have to agree that i'd like to see marvel play i think it's just the safest option um is it the most explosive option no i don't think so um, but I think Does anyone you know what to... Fitz is going to be playing as well. I've heard, I've heard he's playing everything. Wherever he fits. last, I heard he was playing just wherever. Yeah, funny, I like that. Yeah, wherever <laughs> he fits. There you go. Lol's in the chat, please. It's <laughs> about all I, I think... add to this show, by the way. Just I think uh, 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 Simple Turtle has a good point in the chat that I'd forgotten about. Actually, is that decay isn't available until the twenty seventh of February. Oh. So yeah. that's something to definitely keep in mind. For the first couple of weeks, Decay is not even 18. Um, and it, I think the Gladiators, everybody had them up there, um, but didn't have great justifications for why they were up there. When I put Gladiators at fifth, I was kind of like, I can't justify any other teams being up there. Mm -hmm. So Gladiators are just kind it was of the just process of elimination, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's still a, a long a lot for Gladiators to really prove. It's not like they're up there by virtue of everybody thinking they're gonna be some kind of monster team. Nope. I think there's still a lot of work for Gladiators to do. Um, and that's assuming that Decay is going to be in and playing really well alongside the Shofar or Hydration. Mm -hmm. That's assuming that Raw can be uh, a really competent player, assuming that Ripper can maybe add something to the team. So I would normally go with the Soul Dynasty for this match, and I have just by a, a, a small edge. But I think there's so much potential for Soul to just be all over the place. I, I, I don't have a good read on Soul because I have no idea what their coaches are planning to do with this team. Mm -hmm. If over the course of the first couple of weeks I like what I'm seeing from Soul, I could be really high on them. Like I think they've got all the pieces they need to actually create a good team. But uh, everyone's so yeah, wishy-washy on Soul though, because we, we don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had explode. all the pieces last year, right? Like, it was Soul it was, like Soul was one of the top three teams to beat. As, even through stage it, uh, one, you're just like, yeah, the, you know, Soul's no problem. No problem. Not even worried about it. And it just kind of went uh, a, a down from there. I have Gladiators actually 55-45 uh, this one. I do think the Gladiators, I think there's a few things going on for the Gladiators. And I think some of it is, I, I've talked with a lot of the Gladiators staff and players. They're just all like in a really good mindset, if that makes sense. And sure, we can mm -hmm. talk about how important mindset is and whatever intangibles, blah, 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 blah. But there's just <clears> like something like really in control like when when your head coach goes on Twitter to be like, "Hey guys, we really appreciate you uh, putting us <laughs> rating you know, us top, so highly top five, but like we, yeah, we, yeah. we we know where we are, kind of thing. Like 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 we know. Like, it I, it is kind of a humble brag, but even then, I'm just like, it's yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a bit concerning if by that he means don't get your hopes up. Yeah, on the middle of the table. And again, talking with David, I don't think that that was like his intention as much as like, you know, just like 
Use your brains a little bit. Remember what we said right before the show starts? Use your brains. Grow a brain. They seem like very calculated and controlled for this. They've added two of the biggest Korean free agents. Obviously, uh, Decay not playing, but Roar is. But I'm really also interested in in how John Galt comes into this situation here. Yeah. I, I think that from a coaching perspective, he might kind of give them the lift that they kind of I, lacked last I, year. There was kind of a lot going on in, from the coaching perspective and not a lot to support it because they had a lot of supporting staff but not necessarily coaches. The fact that he's kind of already out there kind of like trying to make a name for himself, like interviewing other coaches, I think is um, not a strong indicator, but I feel very like, you know, I feel very that positive theme kind of comes back. And and I think that's kind of centered around him and, you know, David being, you know, just kind of like upbeat and and kind of charming in his own sense. Um, John just feels like he's coming in like wide eyed, like we're in the big leagues now, like I'm going to try my hardest kind of feel. And yeah, you do kind of get a little get a little heartwarming. But apparently, says uh, Benchmob in the chat, Seoul are still looking for DPS players to pair up with Fleta. Apparently, they even trialed Wakid back several times. Yeah, I was going mean, to say that, that too. That makes perfect sense to me. That makes perfect sense. Like Munchkin has not looked great. And mm. whenever I model Soul in my head, I always feel like Fleder is like a, a safe carry player. Like he's putting out yes. insane numbers, but he's not like the aggressive guy that's going to go out and like make uh, situations turn for your team. But he's like probably one of the best flex DPSs that plays that more passive style for the team. So all you need is some like all lane no brain hit scan dude to put with him and just pair him with a main tank and just go like go go forwards we'll we'll deal with the rest so as long as they can find something like that i i feel like they should be in a great position but so yeah my biggest concern with soul is just that they ruin the pieces that they have because i think you should be able to make a team out of this roster that finishes well within the playoffs i think the problem is if you mismanage it and i think the gladiators the the other thing to consider about them is people had them kind of static in their in their uh, rankings because they lost fissure but they also got raw who's like a decent replacement mm. but probably not quite at the same level of playmaking um and decay and if decay is out of this game like isn't that a net loss compared to last season with fissure i i so, do think it is but i think that they could they can fill in okay i think they they have serviceable players like you could probably feasibly probably put hydration in there in the same sense and still be all right um it, i think this does come down this is completely it feels like soul's game to lose now that i'm yeah pulling my head out of That's my rear yeah so i need to i need to check here on a, on a couple of things so we had uh hmm, yeah yeah, I'm not ready to. <laughs> not ready to say what I was gonna well, say. Ah, well, maybe, good maybe. checking. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. check that. Yeah, check double that check. Don't want to do yeah. streamer math. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of those things, dude. I'm already enough of an Overwatch idiot. I, if I can't look it up, I'm looking it up. And uh, no, I don't want to say what I was gonna say. I don't want to say. It. <laughs> I don't want to say. It. Don't say it then. Don't say I'm it. Not. You're under no pressure here. I'm not. Okay, we're done. I still think gladiators are gonna pull it out though. I do. There's a uh, good chance I'm like, not. I, I have no faith in, in Seoul, the old guard of Seoul. That's fair. Um, 
being able to, you know, come in and uh, make the adjustments that they've needed to be to be a team better than the Gladiators. I think they're still a playoff team. Like I, I put Gladiators slightly ahead of Seoul. Even looking at our at our power rankings, for me personally, I had Gladiators at five, Dynasty at six. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Joe, you had Dynasty at four, or sorry, Gladiators at four, Dynasty at seven. Yiska had Gladiators at four, Dynasty at eight. And I think I had Gladiators at five and Dynasty at like eight or something. So yeah, yeah. So it's like all difference. kind of right, but but they're all kind of right there in that like four to eight. Sure. Uh, kind yeah, of that's range. true. Um, I think the the reason that we had Saul lower is like there's so much that could go wrong over the course of a season. But yes. But it's unlikely to go wrong like straight off the bat. I think mm-hmm. it's it's more insidious than that. The problems in Seoul. I, I think there's a lot that could go wrong, but also I think when we even look back at season one, I think a lot of it is like I I have a difficult attributing to, like yeah, this is why Seoul didn't make it last season. Like there's just a lot there's just a lot of scenarios where I'm like you know what I'm not sure why Fleta was stellar in C- in, in stage one and then all of a sudden fell off and. I'm not sure why in stage four they couldn't adapt to goats or whatever uh, it, it might uh, be. I just, like, I just, I just don't. These are two teams that I don't know. I uh, just don't know. Yeah, uh, it, it is going to be a management thing, but I, I am going to probably have to give the edge to Seoul. Um, I think it is their game to lose, and it's very possible that they could. So I think I'm gonna, like 55, 45, somewhere in that region for Seoul. But we, I think you probably also have the fact that Gladiators probably over over delivered on what people expected from them in season one, and Soul under delivered, and you kind of like want to carry that to season two. Um, I, I yeah. do, at least. I do, yeah. There is there is a little bit of that sense where you know you look at Soul like you mentioned as the old guard that didn't perform, and they've made great signings, but they've also made very questionable signings. It's like why are we, it, yeah, so why are we signing two very very you know, at least from the outside looking in, very different personalities that could clash within the team. Um, one has a history of of being very boisterous, and the other one is a very great caller, but you know his team. I don't know how much this is accredited to him, but um, can choke at times. So if you bark him down too much, how much does Jexay actually call and how successful is he at that? I don't know. Let's go to the next match because we, we still have more matches to talk yeah. about. And that's going to be the Shanghai Dragons versus uh, the Hangzhou Sparks. Uh, Crystal out for one game here. So uh, keep in mind, he will not be in uh, for that one. And of course, Gamsu late added here. Um, for dragons, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so much yeah. is happening. Uh, a lot, lot going on Super here. Uh, yeah, just uh, man, just sideshow. Break it down for us. What are you thinking here? Do you think Gamsu is going to have a big addition in or a, a big impact on the dragons starting? Like, yeah. What What do you What What are you thinking? Well. I don't think so. I think actually that it'll take a while for this team to really get going, the Shanghai Dragons, after what we've heard. So either way you slice this, um, the loss of Fearless is either uh, immediate due to health problems, in which case the team is scrambling for a replacement, have tried maybe Young Jin mm-hmm. and then desperately signed Gamsu. That's one universe that the team seems to be presenting. The other universe is that... Um, uh, they thought that Fearless was underperforming, so they were looking for different options, thought that Young Jin was better, but 
Gamsu happened to be on the market, so they've brought him in. Like, I, any way you slice this, it's not like Shanghai have had a lot of experience playing with whoever's going to be replacing this main exactly. tank. It's not like they're going to be well-practiced. It's not like things are even going well, because you wouldn't make these changes if things were going well. You know, or it's a desperate replacement for a guy who's been ill and you've lost all the practice that you would have had. So there is no world in which this is a good move for the Shanghai Dragons, except the world in which Fearless was really bad and it's a long-term improvement. Mm -hmm. But for this game, I just see it as like, okay, well, Shanghai couldn't catch a break again. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure going to run... Right this is um, this is the warning now for everybody in Twitch chat that has a Twitter account and follows, you know, esports media sites. Be prepared for the 41 and 0 memes because it's probably going to happen. I think Spark, yeah. if, if you listen to, to pundits and experts talk about this team, everybody can't shut up about talking about how good they are. And, and yes, I'm actually super interested to see what the hype is about with this team. I think they were, you know, good. They they built the team. They they picked through the contenders, kind of a you know mid shelf talent, and they've picked out some diamonds in the rough that I've been really excited about for a long time. Specifically, like Godsby and No Smite, IDK, for instance. You know, those are really good players. Like specifically on certain roles and how they apply to goats and this kind of taint sec tank centric kind of metagame. It'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is very clearly a spark win. Yeah, which is unfortunate for the Shanghai Dragons as well, though. They've yes. not been able to come out like swinging with the best possible performance early on. Yeah. And I think also that just this meta doesn't really favor this team. Like, they're, they're, they don't seem to be a team that... I mean, do you know who would like play some insane Zarya for the team? Like, presumably DM. And then they've got... I mean, Ding on... That's the question. It's like you, you want to put Giguri in so that she can flex, you know, back to that Zarya, even though she's been on the record saying, like, nah, Zarya is not, like, for me much anymore. I'm, like, a diva girl now. Like, I don't know. But that still, like, adds a big question mark. I'm like, okay, well, like, how does this roster look? What roster are they going to field? Is it going to be kind of a Boston thing where they're just like, yeah, we're just going to play goats and we're just going to be good at it? Eh. I think or, this team is just going to be better in different metas, honestly. Yes, 100%. See, yeah, I just want to see them in a different meta. Like, I want to see Ding and DM really unleash as, like, a DPS duo. I think that's where they're going to have the most success. Yep. Tank metas, yep. eh, I don't think it's really Shanghai Dragon's jam. And I think that, especially with uh, Fearless disappearing mm -hmm. and reportedly being placed by Gamsu, I think this is a uh, an unfortunate one. What, what really interests me is why the Hangzhou Spark is so good. Because yes, exactly. All we've heard from everybody is like these guys are incredible, and like IDK, I've been hot on for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought this guy was incredible, like when he was playing back with the Freak Freaks Blue. So that doesn't surprise me. Flex support, like I, I, I don't know. I, I never really saw that. How many amazing performances out of Revenge or Baby? Like I could see them being okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the tank line I thought was pretty solid, like pretty decent. Um, and the the DPS is really interesting because I didn't think that Adora was that good, but people seem to be singing his praises. And Bazzi, I thought was like, I, I guess he's gonna just be playing uh, Zarya and then Widowmaker and Tracer, of which Tracer is not that good, but the other two is really good, really good, yeah. Uh, and then Godspeed is like pretty good, but also the fact that they seem to have amazing teamwork, but they're all communicating in English. Like so much of this doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I must be you know misunderstanding Fake something news, because man. apparently they're great. It's like well, it's like what Apple does. They they send out bad rumors strange. to find the leakers. That's what they're doing. It could be, it could be true. But uh, the most surprising thing to me is that their teamwork is so good, but they don't have many players that like 
They do have players that play together, of course, because they're an X6 blend with, with seven, seven. And coaches and stuff like that. But they've also added in quite a number of different pieces. And just the shifting communication from Korean to English, like unless they were really competent at their English skills, I don't understand how they've been able to retain such good teamwork and still be so good. So I'm missing some piece of yeah. the puzzle here if they're that good. So I'm really interested to just see them play. Yep. Yep. I think that's going to be the takeaway from that match because, I again, I don't think it's going to be close, but it's going to be a, a, a small litmus test to see, like, okay, what's the hype about? Why is this team so highly touted? Like, what about them is so good? Will we see Gusha? I don't know. Me personally, yeah, I don't think so. But We're going to have a lot of answers, I think, after this, oh, yeah. this week about kind of where like it, it'll be really interesting to see how our rankings immediately shift after what we see in the first week, right? Because yeah, right now yeah. it's all kind of based off of paper, and here's how they've been doing in scrims or show matches, or what we saw in the Overwatch World Cup, or what we saw in contenders. And now it's like, okay, they're playing on the big stage now. How does how does that actually uh, affect how they play? Let's move on to Friday. Friday, game number one, Defiant versus Outlaws. Keep in mind, Neko out three games for selling accounts and obstruction, obstructing an investigation into his uh, selling accounts. He's yeah. a straight baller, just going on Korean forums, calling his former GM a bastard or whatever. Like, this guy just don't give uh, no respect, so no nothing. Respect. After so that, good, Rain versus Mayhem. Uh, apply, he's a two-way player. Uh, he's going to be out for two games there. Uh, and then we've got Fuel versus Shot. Fuel that's versus, another one. Yep, that's the one I want to talk about. Yeah. Fuel versus Shock. Violet is out two games for boosting. A little bit. Why, why, why do the good ones have to be the bad eggs, man? Because well, the, the good ones also want to get paid. Gee, yeah, I mean, yeah. the bad ones The bad ones literally couldn't boost. That's why they <laughs> haven't been banned. They were too bad to boost. <laughs> Uh, you'd never, you'd never hear of Raucus boosting people, would you? That's Whoa! why. <laughs> that's why he's. I mean, you're not wrong though. <laughs> Just got to throw some shade I while I can. There I didn't go. say it. Oh man, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to searching through the Outlaws Discord this week. Oh my god. <laughs> this, oh, this, this match though. Forward to that. <laughs> that or like the Boston Discord. What Boston's gonna be amazing? They're gonna sign this player and be incredible. Yeah, yeah I think, I think if I was. If I was a more confident man, I would go with the San Francisco Shock, really like just whipping it out and slapping it all over the Dallas fuel. But I'm not a confident man, and I uh -huh. still, I think that I think the San Francisco Shock is still going to be very good, even even without Violet. I think Shippy's sure. a pretty good pick, um, and I think they're a super flexible team. I think they're going to be able to adapt to whatever meta. I think they've got the the uh, a good setup for both goats and a DPS uh, kind of situation. I think this is going to be a sick team. The question marks for me come with how much of a rollover do I think the Dallas Fuel are going to be? And I don't think they're going to be like that bad. I think they're not going to be an incredible team, but I think they could still put up enough of a fight that this could go the other way. So I've got a, a kind of like a, a slim advantage towards the San Francisco shock. I just mm. haven't seen enough from Dallas or even heard enough from Dallas to be able to be confident that they're not at the level to contest the San Francisco shock because... Yeah, in theory, their coaching has got a lot better. Uh, they got R RCK to fill that hole. Uh, they got Closer as well, who I think is going to do wonders for them in terms of shot calling because that team was a mess previously. Um, they've got a lot of holes filled now in theory, but I, it's a bit like Soul. It's like mm -hmm. a worse version of Soul. 
which is always what the Dallas feel have been, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you never know quite what they. That will always that joke will always be too soon. By the way, <laughs> jeez. Yeah, I think yeah. like what people are saying in the chat about OG is perfectly right. Like OG is a fantastic player, and I think this is his season to really come out and prove it. Um, and so in theory, OG and RCK could just like come out swinging and be super good. And then, uh, you know, they've got a very solid backline in Closer and Unco. Like they've got some good DPS players as well. Some players that are fantastic uh, effect can play an unreal Zarya. So uh, in theory, the pieces are there. I, th- I think I would still give the edge to the shock, even if Dallas are playing their best. And so, yeah. maybe a, a, you know, a, a slightly wider edge based on the potential for Dallas to not be as good. And that's that. That's where I land. And keep in mind, I think all of us on the show, uh, sideshow. I don't have yours right next to me, but all of us on the show rated Fuel ninth, just across the board. It's the only I'm team so we universally yeah. agreed yeah. on. Is like, yeah, this is a team that's really close. They're on the fridge. They're definitely improved fringe. Uh, they're on the fridge. Like it. Like a little got the report card kids, up there yeah. with the macaroni art. Yeah, they're on the fridge. <laughs> uh, they're they're a team that is definitely going to improve this year, and honestly, they're one of the teams that I think could really surprise, especially uh, with with if they do add kind of one or two more th- uh, play uh, things, especially if they get the DPS role. I just I'm just not confident at all. But the San Francisco Shock for me, in a lot of ways, are like the younger, more polished mixed roster that the Dallas Fuel were when they were envious. Man, like you know, back in the day where they've got some. Different players from, you've got some from USA, you've got one some from EU, you've got some from Korea. They're winning, and, you know, Sideshow, you've been on Overwatch League Daily before, and you've talked about uh, the fact that how, like, some of those wins are, like, less than legitimate in the sense that they were, they, yep, they won first, but it was kind of in, in awkward tournaments and, and weird times against weird opponents. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the San Francisco Shock kind of have that kind of same side of it. Uh, same kind of excitement for me, the, but they're but they're younger. They pulled out all the stops. They they've got Striker now. They've got Violet, who won't be playing again. But I, I'm really excited about Violet being part of the organization. I, I'm really concerned about the tank play, and I think that if if the fuel steal one here, and I've got it sixty forty for the shock. I think if the fuel steal one here, it's because they're going to be able to exploit that tank play at the same time. Krusty. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Krusty as being the coach that he is. Can he bring this brand new stacked coaching staff? Uh, take on the Dallas Fuel, who they've made some. Cha- they've obviously made a lot of changes. People are really mm. excited about the changes that made in the coaching staff too. And you could argue that eighty percent of the press about Dallas Fuel from season one were stolen just by the the coaching staff. Um, in so many yeah. ways, that was just uh, like such such a disappointment and you know Dallas Fuel I think have obviously approved here uh I think they're going to struggle at DPS I don't know how Dallas can handle goats I think their core is a team you know if you go back to the envious core which you know okay we're getting two years away from it so maybe I should stop <laughs> but their their core is a team that is known for innovating not adapting and I don't see stage one about innovation I see it as stage one being able to play the meta that that we have for us and I don't know if Dallas can do that. 60-40, shock. Let's go. Yeah, I, I do I do share that same sentiment. I think uh, this is probably like a close 3-1 for shock. Um, I think Dallas probably comes out and, and puts on a good performance against uh, one of the 
potential top teams um, specifically in stage one. Um, but I think people are, I, I, if I'm, if I'm judging flex tanks correctly, right? So we need a strong diva, we need a strong Zarya and we need, uh, or we, we, we want the benefit of the doubt to be able to uh, use that player to swap onto a DPS, like a Sombra, like a, a May, like a, maybe a Genji perhaps, right? Dude, Nevix is going to frag. I think he is the key for He's this so team. Good. Absolutely slept on. People don't remember. And and to be fair, I think RCK does kind of fall in the same line as well. Started off as a DPS player. Now a very, very successful flex tank. Um, but Nevix, man, I think this is where we see him return to some of those weird pocket picks. Could see the May. Could see a Farah. Could see Genji. Don't know. Could see the Sombra, maybe. We'll see. But I think he's going to push them over the edge. Um, yes, there are some questions that may tank. I will have to say, I, I think that if we're going to do pounds for pound, I think Dallas has a incredible strong uh, main tank with OGE, whereas San Francisco is super in, in Smurf. I, I want to see a little bit more from them. Um, yeah, I, but but I think this is going to be kind of clear for me. I think San Francisco probably takes this and uh, puts, a, puts a good foot out forward. There you have it. All right, let's go on to the next one. So here's the thing. So, uh, so, so Hunters versus Chengdu Hunter versus uh, Charge uh, mm -hmm. will be the final match for Friday. Uh, good luck, guys. Have fun. Uh, on Saturday, yeah. not, not, a, not a lot of super exciting matches, at least from what I, what I saw. Spitfire versus Eternal. Justice I think, versus NYXL. I think that one could be interesting. Spitfire versus Eternal. Mm, or yes. Justice versus NYXL. London, London, Paris, I think could be very interesting. If I'm if I'm evaluating London correctly, and I think they're gonna be a little bit slow to adapt, and this is Paris's meta. This is Paris coming out. They can play goats. They've you know toyed around with some flexibility. At least that's what Cruz is kind of uh you know yeah, putting out the, there. This is the weird the weird thing though for me with Paris is that they sure. they say that it's their meta. But who on the team, like, whose meta is that? It's the coach's meta and, like, Cloudy and Cruz. <laughs> but the sure. other pieces of the puzzle, like, soon on Zarya? And, like, who's playing Brigitte for this team? Uh, yeah. Is it Nico? Yeah. And no. then they've got Finzi on Diva. I mean, if I had like, to guess, I think Danya's playing Brig. I, I have okay. a sneaking suspicion. All right. But the only. The, if I was to build a European team that I said would like murder people on sure. goats, and I think you definitely could, like some of the European teams, they would murder mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. on goats. I would pick Cruz. Yeah, sure. Sure. Guys, incredible. Pick Cloudy. Yeah. Guys look really strong and like loads of these uh, goats iteration teams that have played really well. I'd pick Nico, but I put him on Diva. And I don't think that he's going to be on Diva. And then I'd pick three different people, and I'd probably pick the a similar coaching staff. You know, like yes, I don't yes. think they have the pieces on paper, maybe to even excel in this method that should be the best for them. I, yep. I don't. Oh, I feel man. like I'm missing something every time people hype up Paris because I, I feel like I'm just like. I want to love an all EU team too, guys. I, I do. I want to. I want to. I want to be like, yeah. Look at that EU team. Look at them just crushing the Overwatch League. Just don't see it happening. I don't think I, it, yeah. it was kind of the same way what we saw with the Dragons last year. It's like, yes, I want to see an all Chinese team play in Overwatch League. Oh, but that's who they, that's, oh, that's, oh, that's who they chose. Oh, uh, oops. I, I do agree. I'll, I'll, I'll forfeit that point and say, yes, I do think pound for pound, 
they don't look like they could actually get anything done. Like, yeah, soon on Zarya is that like they could get anything done. It, it, I mean, when you compare from that London, one, that was going at, out on Twitter on tomorrow. <laughs> Damon, I love you. Um, you know, when you when you look at that, you can just pound for pound matchup, when you look at London season one champions, you know, like you, your heart wants to say London, right? Um, but I think as much as like the coaching staff is constantly echoed over and over, I think there is something to be said about how South Koreans play goats and how they use their specifically their support ultimates whereas i think yeah. that the western teams are going to have a slight edge there so i think just fundamentally paris will have a stronger tank centric um composition whether it's with a sombra you know soon could be playing sombra we've seen that in the east quite a bit um it, who knows exactly what they could be playing um if it, is it just standard goats i hear that that's still you know pretty popular um i i, I really do think that this is a potential upset and uh yeah i'll be bold and say that i think paris probably beats london here okay Big stuff. I, I feel like you know uh, the. I feel like I'm a lot weaker on Paris than quite a number of other people okay. are, and and Ditto. so yeah. perhaps I, perhaps I'm underrating uh, these these players and what they can achieve. Um, or perhaps I'm just overrating the aspect of individual talent. Um, and just assuming that London will be able to get their stuff together. I think I would be very surprised if uh. Paris are able to consistently put up performances like that throughout the season. I'd be like, really that's surprised. that's where I that's where I draw troubles is throughout but the I, season. Can yeah. adapt. I could like, I can see a universe in which they like sneak a win off. I think this is the best time to play London. Yes. Right? I think this yes. is easily their best time to play London. I think it's unlike. I, I would personally consider them the underdogs, but I can see a world in which they win. Mm-hmm. I would be. I, I would be completely and utterly wrong in my judgment of them, though, if they're able to keep doing that uh, con- uh, consecutively or even are able then to like finish mid-table. And I'd, uh, I'd personally apologize to the, to the European. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just... Um, maybe it's my years of hanging around with uh, Monty and Dora and stuff where I've started overrating the Koreans too much. But um, yeah, I, I, I still see quite a number of potential holes in in this roster that i think they might just get outskilled yeah so uh joe are you confident in this in the fact that you put you put london number one for the overall season and have them zero and two in the first week i didn't put london number one wow york number one oh yeah that's right you put put london number two i did put number two for the entire season i think that but they can't beat paris and they can't be not in this meta no I don't think so. I think huh. I think they're very close games. I, I will say that. I think they're close, huh. but I do think that Philly edges them out, and I think that Paris edges them out. 60-40, both ways. Yeah. Well, all right. That'll it's a season. Up. It's a marathon, baby. We got we got we got four stages to go through. We've got some sick okay. players. Yeah, got some yeah. things to learn. Coach eight one five gonna gonna you know kind of a slow burn. We'll see. Okay. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong. I, I'd like I'd like to see a repeat winner. That'd be all great. Right. I don't want to see a repeat winner. I just want to see a London that's number one and it can beat a team that you put 13th. How does the the number two team not beat the number 13? Anyways. Stylistic differences. All right. Anyways, uh, Justice for versus NYXL. After that, we're not talking about that one. Yeah, that'll uh, be the fastest 40 minutes of Overwatch you've ever watched. Uh, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, Valiant versus Spark. Crystal will be back. For that one, uh, Titans that versus be, Dragons, yeah, Valiant yeah, versus Spike could, be could be reasonably I, interesting. It, it was my number seven pick for uh games that we were going to talk about, yeah. This week. 
It's just kind of, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. I don't, I don't the, the real interesting thing there is to figure out more about the spark and like yes. why they're, why they're good but also to see where the valiant are because we mm-hmm. need some kind of measuring stick for the valiant yeah. uh they uh, a lot of people think they're overrated because people expect them to sit somewhere where they did last season you know not second in the uh, in the overall season but like you know the the fourth fifth place that they ended up finishing i i think i had them at about sixth um, and then people like think that they're overrated being sat there because they didn't make many changes. They only brought in Kuki, and they've lost soon and made some changes to their roster. They changed their coaching staff around. But with all the people making changes in the offseason, if you really have a core that you're very confident about and you stick to it, and you, we've seen teams like uh, NYXL and London you know, vaguely try and do this. I don't think that mm-hmm. LA Valley have the same pound-for-pound pound skill. But if they've got something out of that if they've really like managed to focus down on a core and make that better then i don't think that we're overrating the la valiant and i think that they can still be a really good team but the problem is i i was never good at rating the la valiant last year either yeah. because they 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 just have, seem to have very good fundamentals and a good grasp and understanding of the meta and how to play it and they just have good teamwork so it's very hard to see that and interpret that without seeing them play. So I think I'll still need a couple of weeks before I know really where I'm at with the Valley. Yeah, this feels like the the narrative test between how good the expansion teams are as a whole versus the original 12. Um, whoever kind of takes this really kind of puts a foot forward and says, you know, yes, experience does matter quite a bit and trusting the yeah. system. Or there was better talent outside of overwatch league and we picked it up and here we are um you you've heard us on talk shows you've heard us you know through the mouths of all the experts you know this is a 2-0 week for us and and you've been put on notice um i i do agree with you that if there is a system um and they're they trust in it like there, there has to be something there but i just <laughs> I don't see it when I look at Kareev and how often he's just role swapping back and forth between like DPS. Is he a flex tank? Is he is he a flex support? Like where what are they doing with that kid? I don't know. Um, I mean the the interesting thing about this meta is that I think players like that who are on the um, on the Zarya, if you mm-hmm. can play Zarya and Widowmaker to a high level, you can swap between those two roles. Like when you go over to the DPS, the quad DPS, triple DPS. Sure, and so. It, in theory, if he's got a good Zarya on him, like you don't need much else outside of that, perhaps, as that like player. You can be the Zarya player and then you can be the like hit scan widowmaker mm-hmm. player and then maybe maybe play a bit of uh uh McCree if it was required alongside your Brigitte. I don't know. It's weird. I don't think though. You this meta requires as much flexibility from the Zarya players as exactly. we might expect, but I think that could you want that from the diva because you don't want to sacrifice your self charge and you don't want to sacrifice your grav. So if your diva can flex, that's that's the ideally where you want to be able to move around. So it's like, is space going to pull out like a, a pocket widow? Is it going to pull out like a a tracer? I don't know. I don't think so. At least Custer doesn't seem like he's going to. I don't know. Doesn't seem too high. No, I've seen Custer warming up with the one v ones against Kareev. It's not been going well for him. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, <laughs> something something just to keep in mind though. Volmel, you were really consistent in dropping teams that didn't make big changes mm-hmm. in, in season one. You know, you dropped yeah. Valiant to 11. Uh, yep. You dropped uh, Outlaws to 18. Yep. Um, where Valiant to 11 was probably one of the biggest ones, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Uprising went to 19 for you. 
Dynasty went to seven. So uh, uh, Yiska and I had Valiant at seven. You put him at eleven. Uh, oh. So, Mad, at least you're consistent here. Yeah, I, I I seriously do think that a lot of people are sleeping on the expansion teams, and we're completely rose tinted when we look at how how successful some of the teams were. It's hard to sleep on an expansion team when you just don't have a lot of information, right? Because because there's there's just yeah, there's to so degree. there's so much that changes once a team goes from uh, contenders to Overwatch League. They're just. They're, uh, at least I, I personally think that there yeah, is. So like, it depends how it depends how much value you put in experience as well. Like, sure, there's so many there's so many theoretical ways in which that experience from 2018 could come in handy. Definitely, but but is it actually going to make a difference in practice? Like, there are teams that made a ton of mistakes in how they ran their team, how they signed people, how they ran the bench in 2018, and in theory, if you fix those mistakes in 2019 and all the expansion teams run into the same mistakes then at some point in the season you're going to have a big advantage that doesn't mean in the day to day you're going to have you're like literally going to be better it just means that you won't run into as many roadblocks and potential internal conflicts and hurdles and stuff so like maybe it'll even itself out over the course i think it's a it's an ongoing experiment that i don't think anybody mm. really has the answer to at the moment like how much does that experience matter and yeah. Will season the expansion three. teams de facto be worse? When we're doing season three, hopefully we'll have a better idea of how to gauge experience, right? Because we'll have we'll had a season. <laughs> Even then, like I think you're going to see a big influx of like young talent that everybody's going to want to scramble for. You look at players like Shy, like Leave, um, you Glister. You know, there's a lot of just sick, sick talent out there that's going to become of age. Who are you? I think comes of age season three Uh-oh. or even late season. Yes, like big, big names. And we're going to have to revisit this again. How good is experience versus absolute world beater talent that just hasn't been able to play at the top level just yet because of their age? I don't think this will ever be solved, honestly. I don't, I don't think we'll ever know how good experience is because you're always going to have that feeder system of talent. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I guess that's a little bit too uh, strong to say that we always will. But at least for season three, I think we're going to have to revisit that again and and really see how how experience matters versus just raw talented players so after valiant spark we've got titans dragons then we go on to sunday so saturday i'm I'm not super hyped <laughs> just I, I might completely glossed over I'm, I'm sleeping i'm sleeping in on saturday but sunday i'm waking up early we've got outlaws versus uprising this is this is I I personally feel like this is going to be interesting. Color hex out two games for boosting. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, interesting sideshow. Who do you have taken this one? Outlaws against uprising. I don't have a clue. I think um, <laughs> some of it's. I think it comes down to what Boston have done in their previous match. Like uh, yes. they're playing against NYXL, so are they even going to show what they're going to do? Who knows? But there has to be some semblance of a plan for me to have any shred of faith in Boston to be able to take this. Because for starters, presumably they're going to be working with Axiom, so we need to find out like how good is Axiom, how well does he work with the, with the team? What the hell are they doing when Colorhex isn't playing with them? Because that's super important for this game, because this is the game that they should reasonably be looking at and being like, we could win this if we mm-hmm. had Colorhex, so let's put a plan in place so that we actually don't just de facto drop this game. Um... But presumably, they're doing most of their scrimming with Color Hex as well, because you don't want to be scrimming like all of your prep with a guy that's only reasonably going to 
help you get one match win and then you just straight back to like base base level with color hex so they're in a very odd uh position that i wouldn't uh wouldn't wish on anybody so i think just based on that you have to give it to the houston outlaws like i think that i i don't know how good houston are going to be either it's going to be very interesting to see whether that team's fallen behind the pack massively with everybody else but yeah boston just have so many issues with this color hex thing that i just can't understand how they're going to figure out yeah that i can't reasonably give them the win yeah color color hex for me is one of the like the the few really really strong silver linings for being optimistic about boston in season two with the roster that we see right now (laughs) gamsu it looks all right yeah gamsu is actually one of those two but Without color hacks in this, I just I, I don't look I, I don't think Gamsu is a, a big deal uh, for Boston. It's my understanding that he hasn't been scrimming with them for a while, anyways. So mm-hmm. like well, it, it's not that would like make sense, yeah, yeah. So it's not like uh oh, we just lost our tank. We're we're what are we gonna do? Kind of thing. It's yeah. It's I it, mean that would be that would be too stupid even for Boston, wouldn't yeah. it? Like uh, <laughs> even for like, Boston. Oh, what's what's that? You want Gamsu? Yeah, sure. So Ooh, off you go. <laughs> yeah. I, but but it's also from what I've heard from and again scrims lull kind of thing is that Boston has just not been able to put it together in scrims and and there's like and there's a level right so scrims are not serious but they're also serious like there's kind of a level of you can tell when the other team is trying when the other team is you know kind of working out strats and different things that might not give you the that the end result of the scrim is different than what was gotten out of the scrim and uh, my. From from what I've been told, Boston just hasn't been doing that great, and, and for multiple teams, and so I've just yeah. I just kind of like, man, I just I want to be optimistic about Boston. I want to I want to do it, and it just yep can't do it. I I've got do you know what's going to be the 70, worst pass? 30. 70, 30. Okay. 70, yeah, 30, yeah, 70, 30, for sure. That's yeah. Do you know what the worst part of this entire thing is going to be? The worst part, just by far, just utterly, just it's going to make me sick to my stomach. Is if Boston's going to outlaws go the first week. If outlaws are two and zero by the end of the first week after facing two teams that have had really key players suspended, yeah. like Neko for the Toronto Defiant, they could reasonably take that win, and then Boston here as well. The just the smugness of the outlaws fans is just gonna. I'm gonna have to turn off my PC and live like a recluse for the rest of the stage. I'm. Ooh, it's gonna it's gonna feel like filth on my skin. Imagine if Boston goes two and zero in the first week. Uh, well, by if they trump excel. New York Excelsior, I think I, I'm throwing my power rankings out. Like I don't, I, I I'm retiring. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that if that happens. In all seriousness, though, Outlaws uh, like. What I said at the beginning of this podcast, where you really have to think about strength of schedule, Outlaws have got a great schedule yes. in week one. Yes. Like these are the perfect times. I said when I was doing the keys to victory stuff that Outlaws really have to rely on their experience and like coming out the gate super fast. They have to really work on like that pre existing team chemistry that they have and the experience from 2018 to come out of the gates faster than all of these expansion teams. And the fact that they're playing against an expansion team and then Boston, um, uh, just straight away uh, in a meta that shouldn't be too bad for them, but also they've got main players suspended. I mean, this is the perfect beginning to the season for the Houston Outlaws, and it gives them a good opportunity to like get their season started, get some morale, get things moving, maybe be able to make like that run for uh, for playoffs or something like that. Um, so positives definitely if you're an Outlaws fan. I don't really hate you. Outlaws, basically for me, Outlaws have to beat every team they're supposed to beat 
and beat the 45-55s. Right, those teams where it's like ah, uh, you're you're a little bit unfavored, but you know if if you if A, B, and C goes right, they can do it. They got to win those games. Yeah. They just have to. Yeah. Uh, for for the record, their schedule is Toronto, Boston, Hangzhou, New York, Florida, Valiant, Atlanta. It's not a bad so, stage yeah. one. No, not there's at a, all. There's a lot like, of teams I would I would not like. I would. I'm glad I'm not playing if that's yeah. my schedule. Like rough matchup versus New York. I still like, I want to see how strong spark is. I still think that's a gimme for spark. Um, how do they fare against Florida? Yep. Yeah. Florida, I, think I mean, another close. one of those. Yeah. Teams. That's going to be an interesting one. I, I mean, I think it should be an outlaws victory, but it could be losable for them. Yeah. 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 It's uh, that, that one's as close as 50, 50, like that's a 55, 45 game for me. I don't even know which way I'm going yet, but so after Outlaws Uprising, we've got Fusion Rain. I'm excited about that one, but we're not going to go in depth because then we've got Shock Gladiators. I'm excited about this the crispy one. logos. I'm excited about this one. Uh, I've got my lucky coin here to flip. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when we go to this one, man, I don't, I don't even know. Violet's still out. This is the second game that that they're out for boosting. So, uh man. Joe, I'm gonna let but you go I mean, first, man. Go, who you got here? I'm gonna stick to my 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 system and like my my kind of formula for at least this stage. And I think this is, I think this is close for sure. But I think this is a shock win. I think this is like a like 58 shock win. Oh dang! Uh, by the way, uh, Ripa is also out for five games. Um, that's so, fine and Decay's uh, not in yet right like yes, it's still yes. not past the 27th so yep. Decay's still not in I think Gladiators could have a really rough start to the season I'm looking at their strength of schedule right now and it's hard it's all losable games for them honestly yep. in, in stage one like until Decay comes into the lineup they've got Soul, Shock and then Paris I think even that game against Paris like even with me who's not like as high on Paris, I definitely think that's a losable game for them when they don't have Decay in there, and presumably they've been practicing with him because he's going to be a mm. part of the, you know, the part of what they are playing the rest of the twenty-five games with. So, uh, yeah, I think we could see a world in which Gladiators, despite the fact that everyone's rating them highly, go Norton five. I mean, who are they playing as their sixth game? I can only see the top five on over um, GG. Fix, on. fix your site. So it's Soul, Shock, Paris, London, Spark, Atlanta, Charge. Atlanta, yeah, I mean, Atlanta could be tough. I think, I think Charge, I'm still Charge kind of just out. It should be a gimme. Everybody keeps saying, oh, they're underrated. Oh, they're under. I don't see it. I, I don't see any evidence to point towards them being underrated. Um, could be wrong, though. But yeah, I think the charge is a gimme. Everything else, though, is completely in the yellow. I don't know where to go with it. Could be either way. I'm going to tangent us for a second, but uh, the Blizzard Activision earnings call is going on right now, and they, uh, Activision confirms they're going to do a city-based franchise league for Call of Duty. So, Oh, well, uh, cool. There we go. Interesting. No one saw that coming. I know, right? Yeah, that, there, yeah er, there you go. Yeah, I... For this one, I, I literally, for my analysis, this is coin, I say coin flip. I think without um, Decay, though, I think I might give give 
give the the nod to to shock i think this is also one of those games where you get to see both of these teams play earlier in the week so you yes. can see what kind of level they're at yeah and i would initially give it like a 60 40 towards the san francisco shock but uh you know similar to the game against the dallas fuel i think mm-hmm. it's shock's game to lose mm-hmm. um but you know there's definitely things that can come back and bite them there and certainly the tank line is something that i'm going to be looking at particularly and seeing what uh super or smurf are like when they're playing that role it's pretty crucial but um i don't imagine it'll go too badly wrong because they've got such a great support staff around them but mm. Uh, yeah, certainly question marks, but some of the questions should we should have some idea of by the time yes. we get to this game. So we're going long, so let's go to our last our last one for the whole week. Dynasty versus Fuel. The old the old That's a doozy. The yeah, old the old razzle East versus West here back in the back in the day. Anyway, this is what people would pay the big money for. Envious versus uh, lunatic high that's right that's that's what these teams are right they haven't changed at all they're just exactly the same as they always were mm-hmm. uh, but pretty man, much yep that's yep, it that's about it uh josh who, who have you got here man am i right in saying that the dallas fuel people have never beaten the lunatic high people i think oh, that might be true wow. i i think that that might be something for other people to look up um that might be bullshit based on um the gc busan people because like i thought the way that it went was the dyn- the uh fuel people had never beaten the soul people and the soul people had never beaten the uh london people you know like the gc busan yeah but uh i'm not 100 percent sure that that's the case lunatic uh, yeah lunatic high apex season one three one over envy yeah i mean i'm just wondering whether they played them in stage four Anyway, the, that I mean, that's a narrative point, right? It doesn't yeah, actually play sure, into sure. the analysis. Yeah, but the, it's, uh, it's I, I think that Seoul should be favored. Yeah, I think Seoul should be like the slightly better team. Again, we'll have to see. There's so many question marks about both of these teams. They could implode. So I want to see them earlier on in the week and see yes. what they're looking like then. But my gut feeling is that Seoul are going to look a little bit stronger than Dallas. I've got it 60, 63, 37. <laughs> Which way? 63.5. I'll tell you. I'll tell you after the match. Yep. No, for Seoul. Yeah, for Seoul. (laughs) And do. Yeah, so it it looks like, try to do my research for me. It looks like, yeah, that's true, that the envious Dallas guys have never beaten the Seoul Lunatic High guys, and the Seoul Lunatic High guys have never beaten the GC Busan London guys. Yes. So a a, a crazy little ladder there, like a, a, a built tier system. So if the fuel are able to win, the, it could be historic days yeah. for them. The West are finally better than Korea. Booyah! <laughs> I think without seeing the rest of the week, I do think it's like a, a 60-40 soul. Um, but fuel could surprise. Um, that could easily change seeing, you know, how good soul is, how good fuel is. You know, it, it, teams have been apparently surprising behind closed doors with how quickly they are picking up, you know, this, you know, goats and whatever, you know, Winston goats, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's it's possible. It is, there's definitely um, some wiggle room there that, you know, it could change very quickly. But without seeing the uh, the rest of the week's matches, I think, yeah, Seoul has a has an edge. Yeah. I think I think it's more than an edge, personally. But um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, 
I don't know. We'll have to see. And again, it's this is all still like what do we what is on paper from last season and like tier two and show matches and what it's like, what sh- how it should it be? Mm. It's 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 gonna be really interesting. And I think we're gonna know really quick how uh off our rankings were. Uh by yeah. the by the end of week one, we'll just be like, oh well f- <laughs> There yeah. it goes. Uh, also, there's some teams that are going to come out really slow and hopefully yep. should peak throughout the season. So just because the rankings are off at the beginning doesn't mean they uh, are necessarily off at the end. We'll have to check back in towards the end of the season. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to go back and listen to these episodes unless I'm really wrong and then I'm going to delete them all. Um, delete the VOD, quick. Yeah, delete it. Or I, I'm, I'm just going to start recording alternate versions and then like replacing them on the RSS feed. Can you just dub over them? No. Like, I really love Boston <laughs> Uprising. I don't think they that... They are my yeah. favorite team. I don't think Boston could lose this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, might be rough. Might be rough. All right. That was fun, though. Good show. Mm-hmm. Lots going on yeah. this week. Uh, Overwatch League Season 2, we're finally here. Feels good to be Strangely here. Strangely enough, yeah. A little bit too long of an off-season for me. Uh, let's just yeah. be real. People are going crazy. Yeah, and I like I don't really know what to attribute that to. If the off season is too long, if contenders isn't exciting enough, or like if there's enough fanfare around contenders that would like sate that a little I bit. I think I think it's gonna be like way more exciting next year now, because they've yeah. got the uh, showdowns and the gauntlet and stuff like that. Yeah. So it'll be more like a tournament for someone to tune into that has like hype around mm-hmm. it. It'll be more like a World Cup kind of thing, so I don't think it'll feel as long the second time. Also, I don't even know whether it's going to be the same length next time. Who knows? Mm. We're going from 40 to 28 to 12 games a year. No, just kidding. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, like next season, supposedly, we're going to be in it's our... Supposed to be traveling. Yeah, we're going to be sure, traveling. Uh, we're going to be in our cities. going to be uh, doing that. I didn't even look at uh, the homestand stuff. Is that does that When does that happen? That doesn't happen in stage one at all, does it? Oh, yeah, I think home home one in stage one. Oh, Isn't really? Hmm. I don't Am know. I, I haven't, I haven't looked. Is the Dallas one know. in home in stage one? I, I wonder know, how honestly. that will. Wonder how that'll affect it. Maybe it's stage two. I'm not sure. Maybe it's like week four, stage two, or something. Chat saying only stages two, three, Dallas and four. Dallas is two stages two, three, four. April 27 was the first one. Dallas. Fair enough. All right, chat. You guys are good. You can all come on the show next week. Uh, they know just, more than we do. Email uh, sideshow does gaming at gmail.com. Does gaming with yeah. your social Weirdly, security that's number. Follow email account. I don't, I don't know why. That's, that's how I met him online. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. We need to get out of here. That's enough. I think that's enough. Uh, Josh, thanks for hanging out with us, man. I mean, you know, I'm bummed we're not going to see you right away for Overwatch League in season two, but. Safe travels ish. I'll be flooding your social media timelines with all with all of my junk opinions, so you won't be able to avoid me even then. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with like a After Effects template that like edits you into the desk. We'll just pause the desk. <laughs> yeah, you can do your I, I thing. just want them to break out the iPad and just set them there and and just let it rock. You know, Skype's a thing, guys. Have you ever you ever seen uh, Toy Story where there's that weird guy that puts the heads of people on the other toys' bodies? Yeah. His name's Sid. Like, yeah, Sid. Yeah, I'm just imagining if Sid got After Effects and he's just screwing me onto Zoe's body 
and plonking me down at the desk. That is the fuel of oh nightmares. God. I'm just going to leave you all with that image. Interesting. Toy Story. I'll have to look up that movie. Never heard of it, by the way. <laughs> Brand new one. Brand new. They're coming out with four, right? That's a thing. I guess, yeah. They should stop. Yeah, just I mean, we've already got that live action Aladdin with the weird uh, Will Smith genie. Thing. <laughs> like, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm excited about Will Smith as genie. I am. I think he's going to do a great job. But, sure, it's just uh, weird, you the, know. The, the it's not was Robin not Williams. It looks Here's, weird. It, like it was the CGI. I don't even blame. Yes, like it's yes, not. Yes. It's not. You know. It's you know Heath Ledger's playing the Joker, and Joker's an iconic role uh, because Jack Nicholson did it, and and whatever. Uh, I get it, but I'm just like it just looks bad. Like, yeah, that's that's no, all. It, like that. It, yeah. yeah, just didn't look very good. All right, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Sideshow, what do you got coming up this week? Anything that people need to be paying attention to, going to be posting? Yeah, I mean, you can uh, follow my YouTube, youtube.com slash Sideshow1994, because that was the year of my birth. And you can uh, find all of my videos that I'm putting up there. Tomorrow, there's one about... Uh, which one is going on tomorrow? Uh, well, today, there was one about Seoul. Tomorrow, about Boston. The day after that, one about the San Francisco Shock. Something about coaches. The day after that, Shanghai Dragons. The day after that, I got a schedule. I got videos. I got thoughts. Going to be battering you with them. Yeah. How are you going to shower for those? Do you need to go on like a show every morning? Or you just, you just better moisturize. Your skin's going to be so yeah. dry with all the showering you're doing, dude. It's going to be so dry. So dry. That's how I like it. I can still fire <laughs> to it. Just an alligator need to shred. <laughs> oh, God. No, God. What about you, Joe? I know you've got a lot of stuff coming up, too. Uh, it's kind of fly by night by with me. Um, spent all of last night. I think I slept like three hours. I'm going to try and catch a quick nap before another podcast uh, tonight. But, uh, yeah, I've, I think I'm going to do some narrative stuff around the spark, kind of uh, contextualize some of their players. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, no spite has a pocket junk rat. Fun fact. Everybody has a pocket junk rat. Everybody. Yeah, but has. they, but they, but did they beat? Team envious with it though. Just saying, just saying. Spark coming in hot with the quad DPS stress. Their main tank goes Junkrat, calling it out. Call me the prophet. All right. <laughs> uh, that's. I guess that's where I want to end the show. There you go. I'm done. I'm. I'm just done. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you for all the support on stream. Thank you to the new subs and follows. We'll be right back after the song. Say hi to you guys. Uh, make sure to sub. Uh, follow, do all that good stuff, listen to the show, tell your friends, tell your mom. You need to call her anyway. Hey.